Welcome to Future Charlotte, the podcast where we talk to the people who are shaping the future of our city. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. So we're joined today by three designers who have thought a lot about the future and about how the future could look different in Charlotte and cities around the world. So first of all, um, thank you all for joining us. Let's just go around and have everyone introduce themselves, say who you are, what you do, and um, what your connection is to each other. So who wants to start? Yes. Hi, this is Surjit Das. I'm a designer and a researcher. I'm currently uh, working out of New York, uh, but I'm based out of Charlotte. I, uh, Soha, Alexis, and another partner of us, uh, her name is Cosette. Well, we knew each other from SCAD. We went to the same school together, and that, that's how we are connected. And uh, Alexis, how about you? <laughs> um, well, I'm Alexis J. Roberts. I'm originally from Nassau, Bahamas. Um, and I went to SCAD for architecture and design for sustainability. I now work in Savannah, Georgia as a cross-disciplinary designer slash project designer, um, mostly focusing on interior design um, and interior architecture. And um, I kind of miss the strategizing of my sustainability degree. So this is a good way for me to put that to use. And Zoha? Hi, I'm Zoha Amjad. I'm originally from India and I went to SCAD for interior design and design for sustainability. I am working in an architecture firm in Washington, D.C. So when we first talked, uh, we were talking about the uh, kind of futuristic work you've done on the Next City project. Uh, It's hypothetical. Mm -hmm. We're going to put a picture of that on the website so that you can see what we're talking about and kind of help get your uh, arms around it. But uh, first, kind of tell me a little bit about that idea, uh, that project, what that is. And that can be a starting point for us to kick off our discussion. Well, uh, sure. So uh, that idea um, came to me not out of of the blue. That idea came uh, when I was uh, living in Charlotte and I attended multiple seminars around the city where the the city itself organized how this Charlotte 2040 could look like. Um, So on, on, uh, you know, attending multiple seminars, you know, presentations from the city government and also talking to the citizens there, um, I got a pretty deep narrative in terms of what the city uh, could look like in addition to what the amazing things, you know, the city is doing. So when I did a bit of more research and then I could see that uh, Charlotte was like number one fastest growing city uh, in 2019 uh, and it is growing as well. So uh, I thought that I want to get in touch with my, my teammates and strategize a research point wherein how do I make it uh, the cutting edge city in terms of sustainability, wherein, you know, the city can hold as a grip, wherein I found that, you know, housing, uh, work, uh, then food and transportation are kind of pivotal point, which is, which is kind of a, you know, a city's ecosystem, which binds together. And since city of Charlotte was growing, I thought, uh, these kind of you know initiatives where all the three by all the four binds together to form a culture which will you know um, drag the city to the best possible way where there the population growth will not hamper the whole uh, you know uh, city's output 
for the future. So you've got a, uh, what I can best describe as a building that looks nothing like anything in Charlotte and <laughs> is um, really not just a place for people to live or work, but uh, kind of an all-in-one functional solution for a lot of these issues um, that we're talking about in terms of food sustainability, transportation. Um, and again, we're going to put a picture of this on the website in a little more detail so you can see that. But now talk to me about the pilot project uh, that you're proposing and what that solves and, and how that's a little more um, specific than the next city idea. Well, when we were pitching this project, a lot of the feedback was that, as you mentioned, Eli, it's a lot to get your arms around. Um, and then a lot of the people we were speaking to have concerns of budgets and deadlines that they have to get things like this pushed through. So they asked us if we had something that could be done on a scale that could affect everyday people in Charlotte now, not necessarily in 20 years from now or 30. And so what we looked at was a lot of the data that we used to inform our project the next city um, could still be useful for smaller solutions. So understanding that in 2017, 14.9% of people in Mecklenburg County were already food insecure. We know that growth in cities only exacerbates that issue. So we wanted to focus on food access, clean energy, um, and one of the other takeaways that we had from that was that a lot of people in North Charlotte don't have access to the same level of grocery stores and essential food. So Pilot One is focused on that. And so it's inspired by a lot of um, projects that we've seen that have made the news with community gardens, um, community fridges that you see in New York and other cities that competing with Charlotte um, and being a little more proactive about that issue. Um, so with that in mind, we came up with Pilot One, which is a controlled farming tower. Um, the image that I guess we'll provide to you um, is 24 by 24 feet. Um, so it doesn't have a big footprint. And the idea is that we could grow fresh produce in areas that are considered food deserts, which there are a great deal of in the North Charlotte area. Um, not so much in South. And that could be a way for us to truly impact people by providing fresh food, fresh food and produce, education around that, um, and then a cultural center experience on one of the levels where people could eat at shared tables. Um, and then we've seen a lot of strategies of how to make these truly accessible to people and affordable. Um, so there are these programs where you pay as you pay what you can and where you pay it forward. Um, so through partnership and bringing in um, pretty much creating this network of food access, we could then address that problem straight at its face. Yeah, and that's actually, um, you know, related to uh, work that we've done at the, uh, the Urban Institute and our parent unit, Urban Core, mm -hmm. around food insecurity. And it really is surprising if you live in a part of the city that has, um, you know, a Publix across the street from a Harris Teeter, down mm -hmm. the street from a Whole Foods, when you look at how many communities in Charlotte don't have those advantages and, and how that impacts people's health. So right. we're going to put a, a presentation about uh, this pilot project proposal on our website as well. So you can see the details there and, um, and really dig into it. But um, let's talk a little bit about the specifics of the technology 
that this project would take to work. Um, Zoha, can you tell us a little bit about what technologies are used in this project and uh, and how that would how that would happen? Yes, so we are bringing different technologies together. Um, for example, we are bringing transparent solar panels. So the pro uh, the building would power itself and they don't need to depend upon more kind of electricity. Uh, then we are also focusing on sustainable agriculture where we'll be using the energy getting from the transparent solar panels to do indoor farming. So it will be like a community garden where people come together, they learn about these initiatives and about these new technologies. They get educated and they have something to take back to home and produce their own indoor farming at home. And yeah, I think this is the kind of thing that really um, resonates with people when they see it, but it also sounds, you know, really futuristic if people aren't, uh, aren't used to it. Um, first of all, before we get into that a little more, tell me a bit more about why it's important for us to look at things like bringing food production and new sustainable energy solutions with buildings like this uh, into the city. Because I think for a lot of us, we're really disconnected from our food source, um, from our energy sources, you know, food, electricity, they're all generated far away and they come to me without thinking and the food's at the grocery store and I don't have to think about it. So beyond the actual just physical production of food and energy, I think it's also a mindset shift. Um, I mean, in school, we talk a lot about behavior change, but what you really want to do is just show people that there are other options rather than telling them how to go about their day. Um, so it's mostly about exposure. Um, and even when we talk about education, it's more of leading people through a process and show, showing them how easy and how accessible this information can be. Um, it's just opening their minds in a different sector. And in terms of the access, a lot of what we see is people take ownership of what they can truly touch. And so by giving this type of system to them that they can have access to as a cultural center of sorts um, and changing the way that we go about our daily lives, um, these are also things that can be implemented within their own homes, can be taught to their kids, um, which I will say in certain spaces, those are they're, we're doing a better job in terms of that education at the primary school through secondary school um, level. So I think it's so I think it's already a part of the culture. We just need to um, expand that. Yeah. And I know, um, Sorajit, you've thought a lot about sustainability in a global context. Um, tell me a little bit about that, because I think that this is a cool blending of a very local project, you know, you could put one of these blocks in a part of the city and show people, hey, here's sustainable indoor agriculture, here is transparent um, solar panels, you know, generating electricity from the windows. Um, here's how it works. So it's got this very local aspect, but also uh, you really thought about it in a global aspect. Um, can you talk to me a little about that and kind of the interplay between those? 
Yes, uh, for sure. So uh, when we did the research about the next city, uh, the next city has a lot of global impacts and and the glo global impact has come from uh, cities which were doing a lot of sustainable initiatives around the world. Like, for example, uh, this sustainable agriculture as as, as is in uh, you know uh, Singapore now. Um, when Charlotte, when I attended those those meeting with with the city of Charlotte, um, I could see that they were very keen to adapt those. So I I thought of bringing those because they are not not difficult. They are very easy. Just that we have to take the initiative to have th th that kind of scenarios in our in our hand. Uh, so uh, you know as beautifully you know Alexis and Zoha describes that. Uh, the reason we pulled up out the pilot project from the from the next city is that so that we so that we have um, a sort of more a more tangible which can be worked and which can be uh, you know flourish throughout the city and these small small initiatives uh, like you know transparent solar panel and you know sustainable agriculture they kind of tied together uh, with the sense of the research we have done, what is going around around the world and which are under production so that we can, by the time, you know, Charlotte hits 20 years from now, we will be all set to materialize this vision of ours into the city and make it, make the city to be one of the most look out for globally. And just because people might not be familiar with it, um, Tell me a little bit more about sustainer agriculture and what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, how does that work? So uh, sustainer agriculture is very simple. It is uh, an agricultural, uh, you know, um, what do you say, as, as per se a strategy or initiative, which can be done indoor. So what happened before was, as you know, Alexis was talking about the, you know, the food system. Charlotte has a huge grocery gap in terms of when people, when you see other than the uptown Charlotte. So what sustainable agriculture does is it, it is an indoor farming, wherein you don't have to be dependent on only on, on sunlight or, or rain or any other natural uh, aspect. So it can be done indoor, produced indoor with less expenses. Now what happens is, uh, for example, for farming, uh, either we import, uh, you know, vegetables, from other countries when we grow it's very you know gro groceries are very seasonal so this if we have sustainable agriculture in 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 charlotte then the the expenses will reduce you know the people the localites will have good organic fruit uh, you know food let it be you know underserved community or or or, or people who who can afford them they will there will be a balance in the society so these are produced indoor with a lab facilities in it and it it is not difficult to grow it provides you uh you know the quality food it kind of you know uh makes your uh you know food habits better and also it 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 comes at a very affordable price 30 percent of the cost of imported actually yes. as mm -hmm. of 2021 which will only change in 2022 it is a very fast growing and when compared to the traditional farming it is the sustainable agriculture it is a more fast growing industry uh, the it produces a scalable and clean food production uh, you can monitor the food production in a healthy environment it also have shown to have increased vitamins in it 
and it kind of also uses 85% less fertilizer than the traditional farming and also 95% of less water. So we are saving a lot of water in it. And at yeah. the end of the day, it also reduces the carbon footprint. And those are all mm -hmm. critical uh, concerns, you know, that as well as the um, new focus on transport and how uncertain the transport system has been. I think there are a lot of people saying, gee, does it make sense to be importing uh, everything we're importing, given the way we've seen global transportation networks disrupted now? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, some people are going to hear this and say, Okay, it sounds all good, but it also sounds way too futuristic. Um, what do you say to that when, when you hear that kind of um, objection or skepticism? I mean, I would direct them to stories where they said we couldn't grow community gardens in our backyards. Um, I'd say small, out-of-the-box ideas become bold and highly impactful ones all the time. I think of stories like Jemiah Hargens in the West Adams neighborhood in Los Angeles. Um, I believe that was 2015. He planted a backyard garden so he and his family could enjoy fresh fruits and vegetables. But what he hadn't planned on was that he'd be opening that garden up to feed his entire community. Um, that's the kind of spirit that I believe Pilot One embodies. And it starts at chapter two of Jemiah's farming story but it too seeks to build a network of gardens that could feed the entire North Charlotte community. When you look at other cities, are there examples of uh, cities where this kind of um, approach to agriculture or sustainability is, um, is underway and is being successful? Yes, uh, when when we do the did the research like globally, uh, we saw cities like like Singapore, kind of you know. Uh, 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 adopting this culture, Dubai did, Netherlands have, and uh, to uh, to some extent even uh, uh, Auckland, New Zealand did the same. So all these initi initiatives are are either have been yeah, you know running in 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 those country and few of the other technologies which we have not discussed and uh, we have not you know put it up in this project are under production as well. And. What's the status in Charlotte um, of this, you know, idea, this proposal, and what do you need to to make it happen? Well, uh, so uh, this is a very tricky and a good question. Um, I feel that uh, we need to make aware to all the citizens in Charlotte that this type of projects exist, and we curators are there to take up these challenges, like the, these environmental challenges and work on them. Uh, we should make people know the importance of these initiatives. Uh, only then there will be an impact and we can help with the, uh, you know, to know, to let people know in Charlotte, aware them in terms of newsletters, these kind of, uh, you know, amazing podcasts, presentations, speaking in public events, etc., can kind of leverage the growth of the people who, who are in the city right now uh, and make them, uh, you know, as I said, aware that this could be possible. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about just the, I guess Alexis kind of touched on this, but just the, the spirit of trying something new, because I think in Charlotte, at least since I've been here, um, although Charlotte is a fast growing city, it's also a city that you know, can be conservative around real estate development is not necessarily the most um, risk-taking city all the time, and maybe mm -hmm. that comes from our heritage as a as a banking as a banking center. Um, but 
you know, what do you think we need to do to just encourage people in Charlotte, maybe to take more risks, um, be a little more uh, willing to gamble to reach the future? I think it's important for them to see people who look like them doing this kind of work um, as as the city continues to grow, um, the things that are expected, even in the real estate and banking market, um, will just be standard for them. So what they'll be looking for would be things that may be out of touch um, or out of reach for a lot of people. But the more that becomes a foundational expectation um, of everyday people in Charlotte, um, the easier it will be to transition them in to this kind of this way of life. Right. Uh, in addition to that, uh, uh, what I feel is at the end of the day, whether it's a fintech hub or it's a marketing or a business hub, end of the day, there are people who are in the city and people in the city are new, new you know, all of them are similar to what we are as a person. We are basically doing for the human, for the city, uh, for the people who live in the city. So it is independent and it would be absurd for us to say that uh, since, uh, you know, traditionally it's more of a, you know, has a fintech culture, but at the end of the day, it's how the city functions. The, what is the reason behind we taking up the initiative? We took this initiative so that the city of Charlotte should, you know, and can flourish so that independent of any background people have the best life possible. And uh, the reason we, we are doing it is uh, we have seen the amount of growth other uh, countries are having what Charlotte is trying to achieve. We, we think that once we do for the betterment of the citizen, everything will fall in place and everybody will kind of, you know, uh, take up the challenge to make themselves better. From our research, the two main important concerns were about the first one is about the grocery gap and the second is about the energy. For example, 70% uh, of the housing units in the Mecklenburg County did not have a full service grocery store within a distance. So because of this, people kind of fall into different kind of traps. For example, they fall in a type of a food system trap. If the stores are far, they are not accessible. And then they realize the organic food is not affordable. Then the citizens resort to buying expired food or maybe eating junk food like McDonald's and things like that. So this kind of ne cycle negatively impacts their health. So overall, what we want to do is give them education and the means of new technologies where they become aware and they uh, are open to accept these new changes happening. And so... As we come close to the end of our time here, um, I wanted to ask each of you a question that I like to end this podcast with. And that's, you know, if you had a magic wand, if you were emperor for a day, whatever it might be, uh, what would you change in Charlotte and why? Well, um, I, I would like to change the mindset of, of people in the city of Charlotte in terms of leveraging them in what they can do and what they have not experienced yet. So, yeah. And let me dig into that a little more because mm -hmm. I think it relates to what we have been talking about, but yes. what would you change that mindset uh, to? How would you, how would you do it? So uh, the mindset changes internally. So I would, I would, you know, 
take up a more of an awareness program in which would say them you know what is going around uh, globally in terms of in terms of new innovation how how the whole world is advancing are we advancing in that in 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 that trajectory or not how will those advancement and change in our thinking will affect uh, our long term investment towards the city internally how our health and well being will be flourishing how how we will be leveraging to our core self in terms of by by just by changing our mindset in how we living how what are what are the sustainable initiatives can we take how can we uh, with the help of small tweak in our lifestyle uh, and being little bit more sustainable how does one selves you know uh, kind of grows as a whole uh, would be my take and zoha um i would like to for i would like people to believe that access to clean food and energy is not an impossible task it's easily achievable and just to have a educate just to educate the community as a whole yeah i think that that would be uh that would be a great mindset shift to see you know to change that from being perceived as almost a a luxury good in some places to um, a necessity and, and something that everyone should have access to. Yes. And Alexis? <laughs> um, they laugh because they know. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I think human beings in general have proved that we can be creative and responsive in times of need, disaster. Um, but what I would love to see is for us to collectively become more proactive. Hmm. And how so? Um, I think, I mean, even with the level of hurricanes that we've seen start to really ravage a lot of coastal cities in the U.S. in particular, um, those sort of issues do affect cities that may be more inland, um, not just in terms of immigration, but in terms of stresses on those communities and their ability to feed themselves um, and import lines, things like that. But if we were to address those problems before they become issues at our front door um, as a way of life, as a way of doing these things, they would flourish in times of disaster themselves rather than just being able to just barely make it or having to declare states of emergencies around food access and energy. Um, So addressing those things before they become dire issues that we need to call out for help would put us in a better position to handle them. Yeah. And I think after the years we've been through, everyone could Mm -hmm. use uh, less states of emergency and more proactive planning Mm -hmm. for, for the inevitable disasters. Well, thank you all for, uh, for this great conversation. Um, Again, if you are curious and want to learn more and see more details, uh, check out our website, ui.charlotte.edu. We'll have uh, details posted there. And uh, you all also have a website and ways for people to find out more. So uh, where can people find out more if they, uh, if they want to poke around and maybe uh, be intrigued? Yes. Um, you guys can log into our website, www.wecurators.com. Great. Well, Surajit, Zoha, Alexis, Thank you again for joining us, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Hope you do, Thank too. Thank you. Thank you, Eli. 
Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like the show, please rate it, share it with your friends, and keep looking to the future, Charlotte.